This is a mental health podcast, so difficult topics may arise. Please proceed with caution. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Getting Better, Stories of Mental Health. I'm Micheline Malouf. And I'm Nadia Desi, and we're your hosts and licensed therapists here to destigmatize mental health one episode at a time. In each episode, we dive into our guests' special experiences with mental health, coping mechanisms, and how they have embraced their own mental health journey. Today's episode is really exciting, as we're talking to a woman who is so widely loved and recently conquered an issue she's been battling her entire life by going to therapy. We're talking with the incredibly talented Rebel Wilson. Welcome, Rebel. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for being here. How are you today? I'm good. I'm in the middle of a movie I'm shooting for Netflix called Senior Year, which is a big, bright comedy uh, about cheerleading. And it's uh, it's going really well. I've been like shaking my booty uh, a lot, so I'm a little tired from that but it's um yeah it's been going going really good we've got two more weeks left of production so it's like um because I'm the star of the movie I'm in every day for like 12 13 hours um trying to be funny every single day um but then this is such a fun thing to do on the weekend so thank you guys for having me trigger warning for the next segment disordered eating well, thank you so much for being here. We have such an important topic to cover because you've mentioned, um, you know, so many different things that you've been going through in the past year and recently went on a journey confronting a major struggle that many people face. And um, we want to talk to you about it. We want to talk about your mental health journey and you talk about emotional eating. And I know that that's something that a lot of people struggled with. So can you tell us a little bit more about this? Yeah, so um, I've been kind of pretty public about this on social media, but in 2020, I did what's called the year of health. For some reason, I I like kind of, um, not that I knew a pandemic was going to happen, but I knew for some weird reason that I wasn't really going to work a lot in 2020 and that that's that's my time. I'm turning 40 that year and I was like, that's my time to like just really look at this issue of health, which I hadn't really, I mean, obviously I'd tried to go on diets or things before, but I was like, okay, this is, this is the year where that's going to be my focus for, for the whole year. And, and weirdly, luckily the pandemic with everything literally stopping in the entertainment industry, it was the, the perfect time. Uh, cause you didn't feel like you were missing out on, on any movie roles or anything. I didn't have to turn anything down. Um, cause nothing was filming. So I was like, okay, 2020 is the year of health. And even though I'm a very active person and I, I knew about nutrition, I just like ignored it. The one thing I never tackled was the mental side. And I obviously I knew for many years earlier that I emotional eating was my vice. I'd even say that to people like <laughs> um, I, you know, used food to like treat myself, to reward myself or if I was feeling depressed to like numb any kind of emotions. And and my go to was like normally like a pint of Ben and Jerry's or after work, after a long day of filming or I don't know, pizza or chips or um, just like junk food that I didn't need. Um, but it was, you know, I was clearly using it as a tool to like um, – uh, suppress or numb emotions and not and not deal with things and so first off in the year of health I went to Austria 
And I went to this health retreat there, um, which is very like it's been around for like a century. It's it's kind of amazing. It's on this beautiful lake in this small village um, called Altasi, and it looks kind of like Snow White live there or something. It's very very beautiful. And I went there first to like just detox from a lot of the sugar and stuff that I was I was eating and the junk, and um, and that helped kickstart like the physical side of things. Um, but then in the build-up to all of that, I also um, found a doctor in, in Los Angeles who had done some, some books on, on emotional eating and why people hold on to weight and, and what you would need to do emotionally to, like, release it. Um, and his name was um, Dr. Sadigi, who I think um, has had have a lot of other famous patients like Gwyneth Paltrow, for example, who writes the foreword in one of his books. And I'd never tackled the the mental side and it was like we'd speak every two weeks and have these like really um in-depth conversations about about life and trying to analyze why I was behaving uh, why I was and and he knew that I wanted to to change that or try to just get better I don't know whether I'll ever be totally cured of it because I don't really have any many other vices I'm not, I'm not a big drinker or drug taker or anything like that. So I was, I was like, we'd have these like intense conversations and I'd cry and I was like, I'd never done anything like that before. And it was, it turned out to be that mental side was the biggest thing. Cause yeah, I, you know, I'd go to the gym six days a week anyway, normally. And I have tried certain diets uh, for food and stuff, but it really was the mental side and tackling this um, emotional eating issue that really, I think has totally now changed my life because I haven't gained any weight. I think I lost, I work in kilos because I'm Australian, but it's like, I don't know, 35, 36 kilos right now, which I think is over 70 pounds, maybe 75 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. And like kept it off all of this year so far, and so and I've never in my life done that before. I've I've sometimes got fluctuated a bit, but always gained it back. So so I think that my life has changed now because of because of the work that I did for for myself. Yeah. Wow. And I know a lot of times when we start to focus on our emotional and mental state, it can be hard. As amazing as it is, and how many discoveries we made. How was it for you? How were you actually doing throughout it all? Oh, like I find it interesting. Um, Weirdly, it's helped my acting like a thousand percent. I literally just did a drama movie in England where I had to break down and now uh, like a lot in in the scenes go from zero to a hundred and I used a lot of the stuff that had come up in my conversations with Dr. Siddiqui, painful memories or, um, yeah, really stuff that just hits you in the guts. And it's made me like a better actor. <laughs> well, hopefully you guys are a good judge when you'll see these movies in um, 2022 that I'm shooting right now. And, and yeah, even the directors have commented like, they're like, wow, we didn't know you could have that depth or um so so that's the one positive benefit that's helped me as an artist but going it was so weird at first because I'd never done any therapy or or anything like that so I didn't quite know like I mean is you like is this person trustworthy can you say personal things like talk about who you you know dating romantically and things like that and 
So I th- definitely think I had to warm into it because I just wasn't used to the process. I think my American friends are much more used to the idea of therapy and talking about their feelings and and themselves. But, um, yeah, I definitely was not used to it. So I had to like um, – but once I did open up, I was like – like you get a bit overwhelmed with the emotions and so it takes a while to feel better. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. A lot of people, you know, don't realize that, uh, I mean, emotional eating is a coping strategy. It's a way that we use to regulate our nervous system when it's like out of whack, when we're under a lot of stress, when we're going through breakups, when we're hurting, when we're sad, when we're happy, we learn to use food to make us feel better. Um, and yeah, a lot of people don't recognize how that can impact our mental health in the long run. Because we don't learn, you know, other ways to do the same thing. Um, and it's always those sugary foods that kind of make us feel really yeah. good and safe, the comfort food. Because you get a little bit of a high and then you're like, mm-hmm. oh, why did I do that? Uh, and then you get depressed and it's like this vicious cycle. You go through the cycle. And then feeling depressed about it and then you're like, oh, well, I'll just do it again tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Or I'm feeling depressed. What's going to make me feel better right now? Okay, let me just have some yeah. more. Yeah, I'll have the cookies or the cupcakes or whatever and um yeah, and just uh yeah. But but I think a lot of it what I worked out is it comes down to self-worth, which I think a lot of people can can relate to and me even though I'm like very confident person and you know, I think I have great skills in a lot of areas, but I was obviously didn't have you know, good enough self-worth and I needed to to work on that that a bit. And I think so many people have that issue. It's like and that's and that's why I wasn't treating myself with the kind of respect that I would even treat anybody else in my life. Um, even a random stranger. I wouldn't be like, oh, have that four thousand calorie junk food for your dinner. You know, I, I wouldn't give give that to somebody else. But then I was doing it to myself. Mm-hmm. So you weren't really taking care of yourself. You you were using it more of a harmful way, um, just because you didn't feel like you were worthy. You talked about self worth. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Because you know, from from a perspective of like we've been big fans for a long time. We watch you oh, know your thanks. movies, <laughs> and you know you see your you. We see you on the screen and you're funny and you're, you know, you're just so good at what you do. So we would never expect from our, where we're sitting that someone like you wouldn't have self-worth. So can you share a little bit about that with us? Like I'm still trying to work out where exactly it comes from um, because there's not like one incident that, you know, from childhood or whatever that, that you can, you can pick some of it. I think was learnt kind of behaviour where I had other females in, in my life grow, growing up where they didn't value themselves um, and they didn't stand up for themselves. or and, and so I guess I subconsciously as a young kid just picked that up. And... Yeah, and some of it's like still a mystery. Like I'm like, because I am weirdly like so confident at a lot of stuff, but I just wasn't valuing myself. Trigger warning for the next minute, verbal abuse. Um, my father, he didn't have 
he couldn't really cope with emotions very well and how he would do that was that he would get very angry at times and um and say things which he probably didn't didn't mean and you know and I don't know one time he said he would kill me which is like a terrible thing obviously for a father to say in his in his frustration and anger and and then I think a few things like that happen as a child and then you just you just feel like I'm not a good enough person or yeah stuff like that and um and my father since passed away and I've worked through issues with that and I think you know unfortunately he just didn't quite deal with deal with emotions properly and his father was murdered so it was like this whole um kind of cycle that he never properly dealt with and um and even though I loved him you know very much and the stuff that I'm doing and working on myself is kind of breaking the cycle and kind of being being more evolved. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say that it only takes one person to break that generational cycle and the work you're doing is exactly that. Mm-hmm. What was emotional eating like for you? What emotions did you feel or did you experience or was it all of it that led you to feel like this is too much for me and this is how I it was literally like I would um emotionally eat on any emotion like literally oh you've been in an award show and you've won the trophy and you're like oh my god wow and then you're like okay to calm down I just need to eat this um or it can be like yeah you've had a great night with friends and you're like and you get back home and you're just like oh I'll just do that or somebody has yelled at you at work and and you're like I don't know how to deal with this or you've got to fire somebody or you've got to like uh you're having tension with somebody and I just would always just go to the fridge to like um for the for the answer which was very I don't know I guess avoidant and that was just my coping and I guess you see a lot of celebrities they have um substance issues or issues with gambling or sex addiction or stuff and I think the emotional eating was just my way of dealing with the stress and and pressures in my life can you tell us about the connection between your physical health and your mental health? Um, well, the main thing um, why I worked with Dr. Siddiqui is because he is totally of the belief that they they are one and the same. Like it really is. Like if you can you have physical problems and you go into your regular doctor and you, I don't know, you've got tension in your shoulders and you can't move your neck, and but it's probably also somehow related to something that is going on mentally that is causing you not to release that so it really I just thought oh first uh, like in years past that losing weight is just about eating the right thing and going to the gym and it's and it's not like it's about a whole mental thing that you have to go through so it really is the same like I think and um, yeah, and people should try to be working on both like the mental health and the and the physical health. Yeah. And I think as therapists, that's something we both see all the time. And one of the big questions we ask in therapy sessions are, where do you feel that in your body? So when somebody is feeling oh, yeah. anxious or sad or angry, we yeah. immediately go to like, where are you feeling that? Or where are you holding that? To allow them to have the connection when they leave the therapy session to understand maybe where it's coming from. So if yeah. our listeners are in therapy and they get that question and don't understand why, because I just had a friend ask me the same thing. That's the reason we try to make the connection between the two, because a lot of the time they do go hand in hand. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and even like with trauma, like the chronic pain, there's a lot of like chronic pain issues as well that are, you know, mental and physical. So everything is intertwined. And, you know, you mentioned earlier when we were talking about how now you're a better actress. You feel like you're a better actress because of, yeah. of this journey. <laughs> that was one of the random, uh, what do they, people call it, leverage or side, bonus side effects uh, from from doing this work because then I can I can now so easily access things um, and and emotions and before I just would try to ignore it like almost like the weight is a wall that surrounds you that protects you so you don't have to deal with things uh, or deal with certain people or relationships or things like that because um, yeah you kind of feel like you've got this barrier protection. So losing that weight and becoming like, I don't know, I think I pretty much have lost that whole barrier that I used to carry around now. And um, it makes you more raw, which which makes you a better actress, weirdly. <laughs> but it, it is weird, like, oh, God, just the amount of times I've cried now, like this year would be more than I ever had done in the past. I would never cry or anything like that. So it's... I don't know. Yeah, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully the acting is is better. That was that was a good, a totally unexpected side effect. Do you think that that has to do with like the emotional work you were doing with it, like the because you mentioned like things were coming up for me, like you were realizing you were emotional eating and you know all of. Do you think that access to become that better actress as well had to do with that ability to access those emotions that maybe weren't as easily accessible? early on yeah because I just wasn't thinking about it like sometimes it's not fun to go back and think about oh what happened in my childhood that might have yeah been very influential even though I didn't quite realize it at the time and you've got to go back and think through all those memories and a lot of them are you know quite painful and you're like oh even though I I, you know I I shouldn't be so negative because like the I did, I think, have a, have a great childhood overall and, and I think all the things that happened shaped me to be who I am and that I have the personality and the comedic abilities that I have um, because of the, the light in my life but also the darkness that was there and that kind of m- melts together well when, when you're an artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can have a great childhood and still experience adversities you know, it's it's, yeah. it's so relative. Everything is so real, and and the things you described earlier. I mean, that's that's a pretty big deal. You said your your grandfather was murdered. Your you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. there's a, there's a lot, and it's like passed down from generation to generation. Even like the traumatic effects. You know how your parents cope, how they raised you as a result of what happened to them. I mean, there's so many things that people aren't aware of that can cause us emotional pain, even if we had a good childhood. Um, yeah. So it's really interesting. Uh, it is hard work though. It is hard work. What I found interesting was that you mentioned that the weight was a barrier and it was kind of like protecting yourself. Is that something you always knew or something you learned while learning more about yourself? I think um, my parents' marriage kind of ended and it was like this awful long saga and and they um separated when I was 16 and so I felt like to me I was like oh my god like I don't 
want to be in a in a romantic relationship at all um from from seeing that and what what happened to my mum and I was like and then she was ended up being a single mum with four kids and you know having to find a place for us to live and stuff like that and and I was like okay I'm not gonna I'm gonna go out into the world and crush it and you know earn lots of money and um and I was like, who cares if I'm like really overweight? That's great if nobody finds me attractive or stuff like that. And I and I didn't actually, uh, you know, I tell people this now because they're a bit like, what? I was like, I never dated in my twenties at all, or like because I just wasn't wasn't at all interested in that that area of my life just because of seeing things that happen in my family. Yeah, I think that like we're very big on trauma responses, and that's what it sounds like. Yeah. Oh, okay. So what's that? It's when you act a certain way based on a traumatic experience that you've had in the past or several traumatic experiences. Like you develop kind of a personality almost or certain traits because of what happened. So like avoiding dating because seeing what happened with your parents would be a response of that trauma. Oh, I see. I see. Whereas my sister went the complete opposite way and married her first ever boyfriend from 15. Yeah. So she went the opposite. But I was like, no, no, no. I'm going to go out, be an independent woman mm-hmm. uh, I don't need anybody else and yeah and I'll go and crush it it's it's coping for sure it's it's a way you yeah. protect yourself it's a way you survive it's a way that's what they are it's like we we take these we behave in certain ways based on our past but they end up in many ways being our mode for survival yeah yeah and then the sad the sad when my father passed away but the one great benefit of that is it it really did open my heart and I have this movie um that I produced isn't it romantic which is about a girl that doesn't feel like she has has any kind of romantic value and kind of learns to love herself and and then is open therefore open to love with with others and that really is I know that's a cute comedy movie but that really is like my life story that that went into that and um and so I love that that movie was you know so many people around the world got to see that and and see it because I think it's a good message for for people to hear and uh, for me in real life it yeah it took my father passing away to realize you know the yeah that you've got a life is short and you should be open to it so can you tell us about your support system while you were going through all this because it was a big change did you reach out to people where were you kind of more secretive about it how did you go about that oh well all my friends um knew about it in los angeles and my sisters my two sisters they actually did it as well but they didn't have access um to dr sadigi because he's quite expensive and a very very busy man so they did their own kind of thing in that department but with, with different people but we all kind of there's something about three sisters doing it together like it was and it just helped because we would talk about things and then in the pandemic we would go on walks together, just chit-chatting and walking together and it just um, – because walking is one of the best ways to just lose unwanted body fat, I think. And so it was just really um, – really fun and then yeah it was weird like when I first brought up to my team professionally they weren't uh into the idea <laughs> because I make a lot of money being bigger and um you know there were people that, that weren't weren't so supportive of me changing but you know at the end of the day it's my decision and it's my body and what I want to do and um and so I like 
just said, no, nah, I'm doing it. And um, I was finally out of some contracts. You know, when you do movie contracts, you've got to look a certain way and, and hold that look for, for quite a while. And I think it's you can't gain five kilos either side or lose five kilos either side uh, when you're in a movie contract. And the looked like the Pitch Perfect movies were definitely finished. And, and my character was called Fat Amy uh in those movies and so I was like well okay if there's no more or whatever I don't I don't have any kind of contractual obligations so yeah so I can I can do this and I and I want to do this for my for my health we think that you know all bodies are beautiful no matter what size everybody's healthy no matter no matter what I mean obviously unless you you could be super yeah. skinny and unhealthy it's not necessarily weight but I want to talk about being cast as that, like as Fat Amy or being cast as, you know, a character, did you ever feel like your self-esteem kind of, you know, you were more pain or more self-esteem went down because you were cast as like a character that was, the identity was to be fat? Well, it's weird when I, um, read the pitch perfect script I'm like fat Amy I think is the best character Mm -hmm. so I was like dang I'll take yeah of course I'll take that character I think it's the funniest um I mean at the time no I started in Australia on this comedy um series called fat pizza where I played like this gang girl and uh, who's overweight and um and then I even I was on a sketch show I had this character called fat Mandy so it's like I knew that uh, even though as as you guys believe, like I think all bodies, shapes and sizes are, are beautiful and gorgeous, and but I knew that my body type wasn't the um, society's norm of beauty uh, or, or whoever, I don't know, the fashion world deems is, is beautiful and, and I knew that. But then my personality is sometimes to turn a disadvantage into an advantage. So when I first started acting, I didn't do comedy, like I did serious stuff. And then I was like, "Uh but the bigger girls get the laughs. So when I um, I worked in Australia and came up there and then when I came to Hollywood, like I didn't even tell people I did serious stuff. I'm like, no, I am just the bigger funny girl Um, and, and cast me as that and it, and it totally worked. It was weird. My very first play that I wrote and and produced and put on, there was a girl in it. I was more a normal size when I first started. I I shouldn't say the word normal, but um, a kind of very athletic figure. And then um, there was a girl who was bigger in it and uh, uh, who I'd cast and I noticed she'd get get more laughs, like she would. And then when I started um, gaining a lot of weight, I was like, well, it makes me funnier because it is true. I studied comedy at university and, you know, you use things physically, like if you're super tall or you're super short or you've got a big nose or something, you use that in, in your comedy. And so so I definitely use my physicality to, to make millions of dollars. And it's hard. Sometimes I feel like, oh, should I have gotten healthier earlier? Uh, but then, I don't know, I did also have a lot of fun and, yeah. But it didn't really bother me at the time. I remember on, on the Pitch Perfect set, it wouldn't really bother me. I'm, uh, and I'm like the first one to make jokes about myself as well. But sometimes I would read things or uh, hear things that people said that 
uh, I, you know, make fun of myself and go, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm the fat girl, but I'm super confident. And I think that's funny. Oh, things like, I don't know, sometimes other people's, yeah, perception of what I was doing then I, it hurt me a little bit. I was like, oh, I, I thought I was doing more than or not quite what they thought. But at the time I was like loving it because I thought it was the most hilarious character. So, yeah, so yeah. at the time I didn't feel bad. I just was like, okay, this is a fact about myself. I, I Yeah, I am overweight and so I'm going to use it to my to my advantage and go into comedy when I, when I moved to America. Did you ever have similar fears that your team did about changing your body or going on this journey? Yeah, like the, you have the people that go, well, maybe you won't be funny anymore. Or you have people go, well, maybe you won't be if you don't look how the public knows you to look. I just think it's better it's better to be healthy, like especially now more than ever. Like, and the other thing that personally weighed in in a, in a big way to um, make me do the change was um, issues of fertility and like looking into that. And the doctor, like. The doctor was even a bit rude at first. At this first, I went to a male doctor and then I changed to a female doctor. Mm-hmm. But like, because he looked at me up and down and goes, "Well, you'd have a much better chance if you were healthy or a healthy weight." And I was like, "Ah, uh, okay." You know, I was really offended by it because <laughs> I, I didn't have any major diseases or anything. And I was like, "Oh," um, but the yeah, the changing for the fertility, like. Um, really it there but there was that's why I didn't probably do it earlier because there was people in my camp saying but you're fine as you are look how great your life is you travel the world and you you know make millions of dollars so um yeah that's that's probably is why I didn't do it sooner um what do you wish your younger self knew about mental health <sighs> I wish I knew more about mental health in general because the only things I knew, which I, I don't think it was ever classified as mental health, but okay, this one time, I think I was about 13, and I find in the back of my dad's um, trunk in the car all these cassette tapes, and I was like, what? what is this? So I just took them. Nobody ever mentioned them. Nobody ever mentioned they were gone, but I was like, I'm taking these cassette tapes. And then there was like, there was like 70 or something in this bag and then I start listening to it and it was I guess a lot of like self-help motivational Mm. and at the time I was a very shy girl and I listened to all the tapes and I was like whoa you know and I learned stuff and I I think it did it did help me but uh, a lot of it was more motivational I guess but but in a way that that can help you help you too. I also came from a family that was very conservative and so didn't talk about issues of mental health. So like at the dinner table you would talk about maybe that you won your field hockey match but you wouldn't talk about, oh, this girl said this to me and that made me feel this and now I'm feeling sad about it or, yeah. So we never never talked about that and that would have been good to know Um you know, from from an earlier age, it's only more now that my communication skills are a, are, are a lot better, and I can I can, can talk about things. Now I probably talk about things too much. <laughs> I don't think you can talk too much about mental health. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wish, um, 
Yeah, I probably had some kind of social disorder, but I don't know what it was of being super shy. Um, I don't know how it was, I was never diagnosed with anything because in Australia they've got the attitude of like she'll be all right, just just be normal kind of thing. <laughs> uh, so I ended up getting over that myself. But um, yeah, <laughs> that's what I wanted to know from like having maybe a social anxiety or social disorder to being in movies. Well, that's. I've just written this children's book and it's uh, in the first book it's an episode that happened in my real life where my mum was so sick and tired of me being shy and having no friends that she dragged me to these drama classes at this community centre. And why it was so traumatic, I cannot tell you, I was holding on to the car door and she's literally pulling me sideways Ooh. with all her might and I... I it was it was my worst nightmare to go into a class with these kids that I thought were like so extroverted and like mm-hmm. um, just like look at me, look at me, and then and I was crying, 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 and like no, I'm not going in, I'm not going in, holding on to the car door, and Mum rips me off the car door, shoves me in there, and says bye, and then it was so traumatic. I didn't realize what I was doing at the time, but the the teacher turns to me and says, oh, hello, what's your name? And I start talking in an American accent. Like it was that traumatic oh, wow. that I, I, had, I had to invent like a different personality to – and then they go, where in America are you from? <laughs> I'm like, well, um, you know, and just like – but it, it just is what happened. Like I, I um, was so scared and then uh, – uh, but I weirdly enjoyed it. Mm. And I, I enjoyed being this other person and like this character. And then with my work, you know, I could express myself more easily through characters, but it was still expressing myself. So when I did high school musicals and plays, it was um, a, a fantastic outlet, like, because there's so many studies with creative arts that it helps kids um, self-esteem and self-expression because you can go, you can always go, well, it's not me, it's the character and whatever, but you can really, you know, put some truths into your art. And and so that's kind of why and my mum goes, yeah, now you can thank me for your acting career because I did that for you. <laughs> I'm like, yes, mum, you're the best mum in the world because she, she saw it. I mean, she could have been a bit more delicate in how she did it but she th- saw that I had an issue and um yeah forced me to, <laughs> to change Micheline would you classify that as dissociation possibly like putting on an do act do you know what that is uh, well I think when I've seen movies or where people have split personalities um, um it's yeah. so, some comes from some kind of traumatic event or something well like yeah like it's not always that like a split personality right like sometimes it's like just checking out and like being out of like your personal reality and like we all do it yeah like everybody does it even if it's like on a smaller scale like it can be checking out zoning out you could go all the way to split personalities which is like high end of the spectrum but you know it's it's funny because a lot of people that are good at the expressive arts are good at acting there's always this like I can be this different person and it's safe yeah. there. And the trick to kids out there that feel um, like very shy, they're probably the best actors. 
It's not those outgoing kids that are that are the best. Um, shyer people tend to observe more and have more empathy and can like, well, I don't know, I'm that's a huge generalisation, but like, yeah, because I was the kid that always never said anything in class and yeah, so it was like, it's cute and it's cute now that I can turn it into a children's book and kind of yeah. give yeah. good messages from things that happened to me in my real life. It's so relatable. It's so relatable. And Nadia and I can relate because we both have extreme anxiety, like social anxiety, uh, general anxiety. We're therapists and we accidentally like blew up on social media. So like it was like, oh, okay. And it's okay. It's okay when we're doing it on like on the screen. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because you're being, you're in your professional work Mm -hmm. environment. And yeah. yeah. Um, I still sometimes get funny about speaking to people on the phone. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Sometimes. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm like, I'm worst. still funny about that and I'll get my assistant to do it. <laughs> okay, can you just call so-and-so and book yeah. the... Yeah. yeah. What about when people restaurant? call you? Like without- about stupid things like booking a restaurant oh, reservation or something. I'm like, oh, I just don't want to do it. And occasionally, like I still notice going to parties or something, especially mm-hmm. if you're rocking up by yourself, uh, you're like, oh, I can feel my heart going, oh, oh. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I can, yeah, I can, I can definitely um, relate to that about social stuff but mm. I feel like I get getting better obviously in yeah. my job I have to be yeah meeting a lot of people all the time and mm-hmm. and and you learn with time how to how to do do that and yeah feel comfortable in any situation yeah it's all about like putting yourself out there one of the therapy modes that we use for that is expo is exposure it's like you expose people to the fears right and that was in one of those cassette tapes i was talking about it said something like that and then i made i forced myself to join like the public speaking the debating team the mock trial team wow and i was i just did did all of it because it was forcing myself and it was terrifying like it was wow but luckily at 14 15 I made myself do it and then I really thought oh hang on I think I could be good at this actually we were like state champions in debating how did, how did you do that because this is something like I know there's a probably a lot of young people listening that are in that age group like 14 15 and yeah. their initial especially with the pandemic like them missing out like on a whole year of socialization at school um, yeah and then you did something that is very difficult which is I put myself out there and I think that's something that is counterintuitive. I don't think that's something that everybody thinks about. Most people are like, yeah. oh, nope, not doing it. So how did you, how did you do and that? And first I did it with shyness, you know, when, mm-hmm. I was, when I was a kid, you know, yeah, like that definitely those pivotal years of like 14, 15, because I'd read in a psychological study that if you, your personality is basically set at 15, who knows whether this is true or not, but I read it at the time. So I was like, oh, no, I don't want to be the loser girl, shy girl with no friends who just sits in the library at lunchtime. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, got to, I've got to change this because mm-hmm. I don't want this to be the rest of my life. I have, I have things to express and I want to have fun with people and, and have friends and, and stuff. And so I deliberately, I, there were all sorts of things, you know, apart from signing up to all the things, all the clubs, all the sports, like I just was like, well, this is, this is the way to do it. And that's what I think kids should, should do, like sign up for dancing or for mm-hmm. the soccer team or whatever, because it's, um, you never know who you might meet and who you might bond with and, and it's good. But I did other things like one year I'd had to talk to five new girls at my school 
every day. So I go, okay, I'm on the bus. Okay, uh, I haven't talked to her. I'll give have a little chat, and like, yeah, but it was like a deliberate plan. But and eventually, you become, you don't need to think about stuff like that because you are a more normal person. Yeah, but I had to force force myself. But I was proud of myself for doing it as well. Mm-hmm. That's so yeah. hard at fourteen, fifteen to do and to force yourself to do. I know a lot of people struggle with that, and a lot of people come to therapy as teenagers to have like a cheerleader on the side helping them set those goals. So to be able to do that on your own at that age is yeah. inspiring. It was those weird cassettes I found. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and maybe I think even though I never brought it up with anyone in my family, I think maybe my dad was trying to help himself. Mm-hmm. And then weirdly those um, those tapes helped me. So Ooh, Yeah, self-help. Don't underestimate it. It, it yeah. works. <laughs> um, what do you think more people in the world need to hear about this topic. I mean, you know, we're talking about emotional eating, we're talking about anxiety, we're talking about pushing yourself, whatever topic that's resonating with you. What do you think people in the oh, world? Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. Anybody out there suffering with emotional eating, like I just so relate. And it, people who have weight issues or disordered eating or I like I just God, I feel so much empathy for them because I know exactly, exactly what it's like. Um, and I think for me, it hasn't like totally gone away. Like there's still days where I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'll just get the chocolate from the fridge uh, because I don't really want to deal with this right now. It hasn't gone away, but you can like do work on yourself and, and, and improve your situation. Because at the end of the day, the healthier you are, like mentally and physically, I think, I think the better. So yeah, that's what that's what I've learned by doing my my whole year of health. Um, wait, what were some of the other? I'm trying to think now. What we've we've gone through so many things. Yeah, we talked about like you know being the shy kid, putting yourself out there, which I guess you get yeah. some advice there, which was you know just do, do it. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just set yourself little goals and, um, yeah, and, and just go out and join join activities and groups and um, force yourself to talk to people and you'll, you will get get better. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I like strategy sometimes and, like, I'll employ a little strategy and have, have it written down somewhere and I'll, I'll do it. And I've done that in lots of areas, like, because in my 30s the big, bigger thing was about – uh, relationships and having healthy relationships and um, and I did an experiment called the year of love where I, I forced myself to go out with anybody that asked me that year and like wow. um, to get more you know to be open to more things and experiences and that was uh, I learned I learned a lot from that so I don't know maybe that's just my weird personality that I but I love that that's been a thing since you were 14, like setting these goals and then forcing yourself to kind of do them like all the way up until your thirties, you were still doing it and still going with that. Yeah. I'm just changing areas now, yeah. of, you know, and last year it was health. And then, and then before that it was fun because I was like a bit of a workaholic and would never like take holidays. And that's why you see me post pictures of Instagram on like going to these private islands and going to these amazing places because, um, before I would just work, 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 work and not have any fun. So, like, mm-hmm. I try to, yeah. So one year it was all about the fun and, like, have, adding more fun and balance to my life in that way. 
So, yeah, I've always been doing it, I guess. I've just only recently started coining certain years with certain goals. I love that. So powerful. I think I'm going to start doing that myself. (laughs) So like the year of love, year of fun, year of health. What's is, Is this year anything? Yeah. It's hard to... It's hard to you put it in one word for this year. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, but I'm doing a lot of um, stuff around my uh, like fertility and because mm. I, um, being 41 now, I don't have many years left. So that's what on the personal side I've kind of been been focusing on now that I've um, got my body into a much healthier place. And um, yeah, so that's kind of what I'm looking at now. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. That is such a sensitive topic and so many women struggle with this and it's not often talked about. So I think you saying that is, you know, definitely powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anybody out there, like uh, if you're, especially if you're a career woman, go and Mm -hmm. freeze your eggs, like the earlier, the better. (laughs) It's not that, like, it's a bit of a, you know, emotional roller coaster, but it's, it's good for the future. It gives you options for the future. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've learned so much uh, by, by doing it. But, yeah, and you never know. I don't know how, what my journey there, how that's going to end. But, but I hope, I don't know, I still have um, positive thoughts about it. Yeah, I heard on the news recently actually that it was up. I don't don't quote me on this percentage, but like uh, free egg freezing this year in 2020 was up by like I don't know like 30 percent or something like that because yeah. so many women. Yeah. Well, one the pandemic and people were really thinking about this, and I think also a lot of women are having children later in life because of that career um, aspect. And there's just so much stigma around the whole thing anyway. You know, like fertility and all of that, which is you know i'm glad we're being more open and people are talking about it more so yeah because then it's not as scary and i literally had all my friends do it in like the last 12 months as well in los angeles so like everybody is is kind of doing it now which is good and the science is so fascinating absolutely um with it it's just a you know a bit of an emotional roller coaster at times but yeah but hopefully you never know you never know my journey with that's not over yet so i can still try a few things exactly again thank you for sharing yeah that's yeah. very very powerful i'm sure our listeners can resonate any last message or tip or just something to any of our listeners who are either going through something similar or who are supporting someone through something similar what an episode stressors are everywhere no matter who you are and sometimes we don't recognize the way we cope and focus more on the stressor itself Rebel sheds light on how some people turn to alcohol, some turn to drugs, but for Rebel, it was emotional eating. Rebel decided to claim a year of health and focus on both her mental and physical health, but before she could work on her body, she said she wanted to focus on her mind. If you don't think you'll ever be able to get through whatever stress or dilemma you're going through, just know that you are not alone. There are thousands of people all over struggling with stress, anxiety, depression, and more. And the best way to help yourself is to ask for help. If you find yourself needing to talk to somebody, BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. It's way more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. And it makes getting therapy easier. 
Just schedule your message, phone, or video session and complete it from your phone, in your car, in your home, or wherever you are. We're so honored to have Rebel as a guest on our show and we're still in complete awe of her moment of realization that in order to treat her body, she needed to start with her mind. It serves as such a great example for anyone who struggles with a recurring battle. And don't forget, if you need help, there's a special offer for Getting Better listeners. Get 10% off your first month of online therapy at betterhelp.com slash getting better. That's better, B-E-T-T-E-R, help.com slash getting better. I mean, I think if you're like a partner or family members and somebody in your life is like, I, you know, I need to get healthy, encourage them to not just, you know, be, go into the gym or just eating lettuce, like encourage them to like deal with, with the emotional side of why they might be unhealthy. And, and especially in cultures where, you know, some stuff like that's not really talked about, like it would be good to say, you know, I say to people all the time now, well, maybe uh, just the lady down at the reception desk, I'm like recommended her a book um, that Dr. Siddiqui wrote called Within that's more about, um, you know, looking within and therefore um, you can, the weight just kind of, falls off because you're releasing emotions and things you've been carrying and holding on to. So I would like, yeah, encourage, don't just say to someone, oh, we'll just go out there and do some running. Like um, think, well, you know, have you ever thought about what's going on um, inside your mind that why, why you're behaving like that? I think that's really good. And if, and to the people like out there who, if you might be struggling with emotional eating, I think, just like I think it's so relatable and so many so many women do that and it's kind of like I think out of all the vices that's like the least bad in a way because I've you know I've seen a lot of celebrities get get fucked up on substances and stuff and I thought well at least I'm not doing anything crazy but I would say you know you can you can make your life better and not have those cycles. I know what it's like to be sitting there on the couch just eating and then feeling bad about yourself and feeling like you're not worthy or you might not be worthy of love and and you can get to a much, much better place by dealing, you know, dealing with it and, and talking about it to somebody. Talking to somebody, so powerful, so helpful to have a support system, people to talk to and, you know, seeking whatever help you need professionally, whether it's mental health or physical health or, or both. What's next for you? Anything exciting coming up that you want to share? Oh gosh. Well, it's been, it's been go, 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 mm -hmm. um, this year. And so I've got the, the drama movie I was talking about before the Armand and the Seahorse will come out early 2022 and then this um cheerleading comedy senior year i actually felt like i might write a book about the things because there's there's so many um things like um how i've grown as a person that i think might might be able to help people and so i might look into that and like it's hard to sometimes be so open and and honest about things but i think if it helps pe other people then um 
then, then that's a real positive. And so that, and then I'm um, taking a bit of time off to, to um, work on fertility stuff and freezing more eggs and, um, and that just, you know, it's much better to be in a stress-free kind of environment for doing all of that. So I'll, I'll, I'll concentrate on that for the, for the rest of the year. And, um, yeah, but it's, it's been so busy that I've filmed uh, back-to-back movies. And so now I'm just like, okay, now take a little break, relax, you know, don't need to keep that pace up all the time and, and can just have, have a bit of fun for the rest of the year and some relaxing time. Amazing. Much needed time off. Thank yeah, you so definitely. much for being here. You're beautiful inside and out. And you, I'm sure, will resonate with so many people that are listening to this podcast. So thank you for everything you shared and being open and honest. Thanks for having me on, guys. And um, and I hope I'm not, uh, I probably don't have the right wording like how you guys you know about how to talk about these things because it's still fairly fresh to me but uh but i hope that some of um uh what i said can help people oh i'm sure it will so we had such a good conversation with rebel wilson today you know as therapists and and the way that the world is going and stuff it's it's really hard when we talk about weight and we talk about weight loss as well because we obviously know that your health has nothing to do with your, your weight. weight. Yes. We come from a haze approach, health at every size. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting conversation because we want you to to go into this topic understanding that everyone's journey is different and what's going to make one person healthier or happier isn't necessarily what's going to make you healthier or happier. Mm -hmm. Um, Rebel Wilson, she had some great takeaways about the reasons that she decided to go on her health journey that you'll hear about. And I think they're all very valid. Um, And at the end of the day, you know, if you're somebody who struggles with disordered eating, if you're somebody who struggles, you know, with anything like that, then talk to a professional because sometimes there's a lot of emotional stuff, which she goes into. She does go into, but I don't think this episode is enough Mm -hmm. if you are somebody who's struggling with disordered eating or an eating disorder. But it definitely was very helpful with a lot of tips and takeaways and talking about how childhood can have such a big impact on who we are today. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Childhood has an impact on who we are today. It impacts, you know, so many aspects of our lives. But yeah, it's just important to know that whatever you listen to in terms of mental health, whether it be, you know, about depression, anxiety, uh, somebody's health journey, it's not going to be the same for everyone. It's not a one size fix all for anything that you experience. And that's why if therapy is accessible to you, it is so important because you really work one on one with your unique experience mm-hmm. what do you think the the best takeaway was from her conversation oh, hmm. there were so many my favorite part was learning something at the end that i didn't know about her she said she was a lawyer yeah um she's writing a children's book uh i mean she's might write a, like she might write her story and and help others it's just like people are so multifaceted and when we see them on the screen, it's like you get this idea of them. But then like every time we talk to someone on the podcast, it's like we learn so much fireworks. But what I love from her story is from when she was 14 years old, she was getting herself to create these exposures to better herself or using things in her current life as motivation to change. She was motivated by change. So she would 
talk to five different girls in her school year. She would join all these clubs all the way up to her 30s. She was doing it for dates. Very interesting. How amazing was that? Like when she said that, my mind was well, and she got it off. She said she got the idea off the tape she found in her dad's car, which it's like self-help. I think sometimes we think we have to go to therapy and yes, therapy, if Mm -hmm. you can afford it, if you have resources, if you have access, um, if you're a minor, if your parents allow you to go to therapy is definitely for everyone. But sometimes we realize that you don't have access to that stuff. So I think being resourceful like that and like, yeah, figuring it out almost with implementing hard. Yeah. How many times do we read self-help books and like not implement what we've learned? Also, 14-year-old me was not creating exposures for myself to better myself. 14-year-old oh, no. me was a little shy, awkward girl who wasn't speaking up. 14-year-old me was <laughs> like hiding away. In her- <laughs> yeah. I didn't start exposures until I was like 25. So that's I still amazing. am afraid of exposure sometimes, even though I know it's the way. Yeah. Um, she had such a powerful way of describing how she did that and like how she put herself out there. Mm-hmm. And also the one takeaway that I liked is that she talked about the connection between mind and mm-hmm. body. Which doesn't happen as much as it should. It doesn't. Yeah, and it's such an important part of us. Like mental health and physical health are very closely related. Um, Our anxiety, our trauma, Mm -hmm. our dissociation, whatever you might be going through, you know, we do have to pay attention to the entire human. Yeah. And so I think this episode is really going to shed a light on that. One last takeaway that I wanted to extend from the advice that she gave to anyone listening was at the very beginning, she mentioned that she knows that she's going to still have setbacks with her unhealthy coping strategy and she knows going forward it might continue to happen and i think that's part of being human so whatever coping strategy you have that you're looking to change you're not a failure if you resort back to it your mind and your body use that to keep you safe so if you end up going back to a coping strategy based on something that is going on in the moment and you don't know how to regulate your nervous system or you don't know different strategies that come up and you automatically go back to what you're comfortable with it does not mean that all the work in progress you have done goes away it's just tomorrow's a new day Thank you so much for listening today. This discussion is so important to ending the mental health stigma. If you want to help the mental health movement, you can do so by leaving a written review for this podcast to help it reach more people. If you want to dive deeper into these topics and learn more about mental health, make sure you subscribe and follow Micheline and Nadia's mental health podcast, Mind-Fully Healing, anywhere you stream your podcasts.